Have you ever wondered if your relationship struggles are normal? Or maybe you have wished you could just ask advice from a relationship expert. Or better yet, how about two experts? Well, I'm happy to tell you, you are in the right place. I am Dr. Morgan Cutlip. And I am Dr. John Van Epp. Morgan and I are both PhDs in psychology, relationship experts, authors, relationship course creators, and a father-daughter team who will bring our educational background, clinical experience, and research knowledge to real relationship concerns and challenges shared by our guests. Welcome to the Love Thanks Podcast, where we hope to empower you to better engage both your heart and your head in relationships so you can follow your heart without losing your mind. Let's get started. Hello, today we are sitting with Kelly. She has been married seven years, but is presently separated and is the mother of two young kids, ages two and four months old. Kelly wrote in because her husband struggles with anxiety and depression, and she's found that there's little space for her to express her own needs without him either taking it as a personal attack or spiraling into a depressive episode. We're really honored to have you here today, Kelly, and just really value your openness and willingness and vulnerability in sharing your story. So thank you for being here. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. So Kelly, one of the questions that I was thinking about is, when did you first see your husband struggling with any kind of depression, anxiety? Was that something going all the way back to the dating time period prior, during the marriage? When, When did it first start surfacing in your view? Yeah, so it really was a couple years after we got married where it really started to kind of form into, you know, mental illness. From what I had noticed, it it actually started around when his parents were going through some really difficult times. It was a really hard time for him. And and that's when it, it really started to appear for him. And he would have been how old at that time? And maybe you too, like what would your ages be? Early 20s. Yeah. So can you give us a little bit, like kind of help us enter into your world a little bit and what that was like, you know, a few years into your marriage when these things started to surface? What what started to shift? What was it like before? And what was it like after? It really, I, I didn't see any red flags of of it emerging, you know, while we were dating. And, you know, once we got married... It was really, we, we have a great, great relationship, you know, nothing really out of the ordinary. And then, you know, once things started to change, it's, it went downhill pretty fast. We had a lot of big life changes happen, you know, within a span of a couple of years, cross country move away from his family and closer to mine, job changes, becoming parents for the first time. And just that increased responsibility uh, for both of us. It seems that the more responsibility that showed up, the the more he struggled, really. And that so that started emerging around, you said, like the second year of your marriage in your early 20s? Yeah, yeah, about that. And so for the last five years, it's been progressing. Can you give us a, a, an idea as to how it has progressed and how it tends to be handled between the two of you, like when you talk about it? Yeah, so really, it's it's progressed to where, you know, an, an argument, it, it can spiral really quickly to where he, we're not able to talk about whatever the issue was productively. 
and it will it will lead him to need to be in bed for the remainder of the day, sometimes even rolling over to the next day after that. You know, and we we have conversations fairly regularly. We're trying to work through you know our issues and trying to get him the help that he needs with therapy. But it's it's definitely been an ongoing struggle for quite a while, and it's hard to know how to best support him. Mm, so that be. sort of sort of crowds you out when yeah. you know that if you bring something up, you are likely facing two days potentially of taking care of the kids on your own mm-hmm. and doing life on your own. Yeah, and I think of the just the emotional tension you must be struggling with, where on the one hand feeling empathy and you know, just desire to help with a frustration and even I'm sure many times just uh, being angry that you are not getting help for taking care of a little infant mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and a toddler, or I should say a preschooler, but, you know, just struggling with almost feeling guilty that you're mad at him when in many ways you're justified for being upset. Absolutely. I hate that the resentment is showing up because I, I don't know what it's like for him as much as I try. So it is really hard to feel those negative feelings towards him. Sure. How do you feel like the resentment piece? Cause I think it's really normal um, to, to develop resentment in a situation like this. I mean, resentment a lot of times will develop when there's like these chronically neglected areas of relationships and, and you've almost had to completely be on your own and take care of your own needs and without the support of a partner. So it makes so much sense for resentment to develop. I'm wondering how that shows up in how you and your husband communicate and how you approach some of these issues. Yeah, I think that's really where a lot of our, the, the bad cycle that we're in shows up is I I feel this resentment. So, you know, as much as I try to approach him and, and our issues with more of a blank slate, it's hard for that not to kind of overflow into our communication. And, and I tend to shut down pretty quickly um, when he starts to spiral, which is really just not a good combination. Hmm. Spiral. What? What yeah. is it? Can you like pretend there is a video camera with sound? You know, what does what would we catch on film when we saw you shutting down him spiraling, or you not shutting down and him spiraling? Either one. He, he gets louder, louder and louder. He gets you know, just the anxiety and the phys- physiological response that he is going through. You know, he it it shows up in anger for him, I think, and. It's a lot of blaming and trying to to compare our situations like, well, I did this. Yeah, but I did this. And and so it's just really not productive. And, and it ultimately leads to him um, often yelling and it's just not productive at all. And none of this really existed for the dating years or the first two years of marriage. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. It didn't really show up then. Mm-hmm. Did you have many arguments then? Not really. And if, you know, we had any problems, they were minuscule in comparison. (laughs) Yeah, this is a big one. I'm just wondering if that pattern is a similar pattern that's just now intensified. Yeah, I think that's that's probably what it is. So uh, another thing that 
you can help us with is what is the support network? So if there's professionals, medical or counseling, psychology, therapy, give us a landscape of that. And if there's any kind of medication involved, things like that. So what's what's this kind of landscape of the support that you've tried to get outside of the two of you? Well, I, you know, I'm really fortunate to live close to a lot of family. So, you know, that aspect helps me. For him, you know, we've tried individual therapy. He's been in contact with a psychologist who ultimately has prescribed him several different types of medication. So he's, you know, he's on he's on medication now. He's not currently in therapy. We're we're still trying to to work on that, but uh, I feel like I'm having to push him towards these things when he looks to me to to fix him, and and I just can't. And so I'm I'm trying to to push him to these other resources and other support, which he's mm. a little resistant to. Yeah, I was going to say that must be walking on eggshells sometimes. You know, you don't want to encourage him, push him. You see that he really needs to take the step, but if you push too hard, then he starts spiraling into an anger reaction, and that resistance increases. Then, and so it kind of backfires. So I'm sure you're there's a you know a lot of times when we have this type of resistance in a partner, really for any reason, it starts to almost shut down the ability to move forward. And have you found that, I mean, you mentioned about shutting down in a specific kind of like discussion or conversation, if it starts to spiral, but is the resistance overall winning out? Is it just kind of like staying the same or is it decreasing? How, what's the movement of the resistance, would you say? It's, it's probably staying the same, if not decreasing, you know, more recently, um, is that because of the separation? Yeah, I, I'm sure that that definitely is a big piece because now he feels abandoned and, you know, it's even harder for him to get out of bed and, and do these things that ultimately will, you know, provide him with more support. Something that keeps coming in my mind that I'm curious to ask you is when the depression and anxiety began, how did you guys talk about this? Was it sort of like it just was like a wave that washed over your relationship and sort of swept you guys up in it? Or was it something that when it came up, you were able to, to kind of talk about this is something that we're now dealing with and this is how we're going to approach this? Or or has it just been this last several years of overwhelm and um, kind of like I almost keep, the, the phrase that keeps going through my head for you is like, I didn't sign up for this. Like this isn't what I expected. <laughs> so I guess I'm just curious how the two of you have talked about what's going on. You know, I think at first when it it first was surfacing, you know, we we didn't have children, I was able to be more uh, emotionally present and compassionate. So although that was the case, I don't think that we laid out a specific enough plan of action and and that might have ultimately been I mean, if I could go back and change anything, that would probably be where I would start because it did, it just, it continued to kind of take over our relationship and, and go unchecked. And even with him starting therapy, I just, it wasn't enough. And so, yeah, the, the longer that, that it's gone on, the more it's kind of taken over. 
Yeah, I think sometimes when we are so depleted in our relationship, we get to this like point of desperation. Um, and then we seek help or our partner seeks help when they desperately need it. Like in, in your situation, it's like any movement just doesn't feel like enough because the the hole is so deep, right? The need to see some progress, the need to see like step in here and help me. It's so deep that it, that it's almost... It's not too late. I don't think it's like ever really quite too late, but it's so much harder to then find that compassionate piece of you when you've waited so long. So I, I, one, I go ahead, Morgan. I sorry. I think something that might I mean you say if I wish I could have gone back in time, we would have had some sort of plan of action. And I know you're separated right now. And so who knows exactly how this will unfold. And I know you have a counseling tonight. And so, but I don't know if it's necessarily too late to talk about a plan of action and to sort of reset the way the two of you approach this mental illness. I mean, it's like the the mental illness is sort of integrated into your relationship, but what in, instead of integrating it into it, maybe it could be separated out. So it's it's you, Kelly, and your partner. And you were together against this sort of mental illness, this depression and this anxiety as a united front. And how are we going to approach these things? And sort of externalizing that may help to kind of offer a little bit of a new perspective. That would be something, the counseling tonight you mentioned, and you might've mentioned that to, to us privately, but is that a couple therapy or is that individual? It is couples. Yeah. So that, that would be something that you could propose in a sense to the therapist. Hey, if we tried to externalize this depression, anxiety as something outside of our relationship so that we're united together to address it, can you help us do that? What do you think he would say to that? Would he feel that that's a good thing or would he feel that that is actually maybe minimizing something? I mean, is, is he going to see that as positive or negative, do you think? I think he would see it as a positive, being able good, to, good. you know, act like a more united front against mm-hmm. the anxiety instead of each other. And I was thinking, you know, if I back up for a minute, what exactly led up to the separation? There must, you know, that was obviously something that was a turning point. So what brought that about? Sure. So it's uh, the last time that we had an issue, it, it spiraled to where there was yelling in front of our two-year-old. She was crying. He was name calling. He would not allow us to disengage. And, you know, we've talked about yelling, like that's my, that's my absolutely no yelling, especially in front of, you know, the kids. And that was just a boundary that had gotten crossed a couple of times. And I just, I needed a break. I think this is a a break could be very, very advantageous. Obviously separations increase some vulnerabilities. So I don't want to minimize that, but I would say the separation could be potentially a time where exactly what Morgan talked about, a reframing and restructuring of your relationship and how you're going to handle any type of conversation about depression, anxiety, or the struggles or his need to just, you know, be alone or his reaction, how you're going to handle when things start getting heated up or escalating, how you're going to de-escalate 
de-escalating would be a really important individual plan for him to embrace and commit to, but it also is a, a mutual kind of marital plan. How, how are we going to together agree that what I'm going to do or what you're going to do when we, de- you know, when this starts escalating to make sure it immediately de-escalates? And so I think that would be a second kind of component that you'd bring into trying to restructure. Okay, we're going to view this as, as not something personal. This is something we're both working on together. And if there starts to be some heated emotion, how are we going to detect that and then de-escalate? Yeah, as you're talking, I'm sort of in my in my head, I'm like piecing together if I were working with you guys, how would I want to create some sort of re like refresh and structure to what you guys will need to kind of piece together as you're thinking of your plan moving forward. And I think John, you said a really important word, which is not personalize it. I think when you have a spouse who has a mental illness, it can feel very personal when something happens, um, which is also part of why it can, f- it can build very quickly into resentment. Um, the more we personalize it, the quicker the resentment builds. And so as you think about this sort of reset, if you decide to consider that the mental illness is something external to you, it can help with that depersonalization. And I think there are, so John mentioned, you know, how do you deescalate? I think that's a big one. I think some other areas to, flush out and create some sort of plan or structure around would be something like when you have a need, how do you approach your partner about that? How can you have a conversation? You are not a needless person just because he is struggling with a mental illness. You have two little kids. You have, you have, even if you didn't have kids, you would have needs. And so how are you able to approach him without it turning into this whole big episode where he gets enraged and then is depressed and is in bed for two days. And so can the two of you negotiate helpful ways of having that conversation? And I think another piece to the de-escalation, you talked about shutting down. And so there will be some work in there for you to come up with strategies or ways to enter into a conversation with him where you don't shut down because obviously he's going to need to learn some ways to not escalate as quickly, but it's going to be really important for you to find ways to stay engaged in the conversation when there's a chance that it can be a productive one. Yeah, absolutely. You know, personal, if you think about, you know, this is me, this is you. And if we were to diagram it, just having a circle and this is Kelly and then another circle, this is husband mental illness many times starts to create a big overlap so that you're in my space, I'm in your space, people feel you're triggering me. So all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, you're you're triggering me. So my reaction is your fault. So blaming comes up. And that porous boundaries between you and me uh, very much start to erode the ability to actually work together and accomplish the things we're talking about. And so part of your restructuring is to be able to talk about what can I do as Kelly to help you de-escalate without, you know, you believing that it's all on me. So this, and, and I would say the same for husband, what can he initiate to help you? How can he initiate involvement with you, help with you? Like, I've been a husband over 40 years and 
part of what I feel good about is not just when my spouse says to me, hey, John, can you help me with this? Do that, do this. You know, I'm not just following you know, orders, or I'm not just available for her to ask me to help. I feel good a lot of times when I step in on my own initiative, on my kind of, and I say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this for you, or I just do it. And she's like, hey, I noticed you did this and this, that took that off my plate. And I think he needs to also, in this whole kind of conversation of restructuring, not just be able to talk about how does, you know, how can how can my my spouse how can kelly come to me and ask me for some kind of help but how can i step in what are some basic ways to be proactive and in initiating because that that feeds his own sense of worth both as a as a man and as a husband and as a father same thing with his kids so these are some structure issues that what we're calling restructure the, if you're separated, you're not like in each other's physical space constantly, like you are when you live together. This is really a key time to restructure. And then the process would be to have some time together where you practice a new structure before you move back in together. So you kind of like slowly work back into being together. Yeah. I love that. That's definitely spot on what, of what I hope to see before I do move back in. I don't want to, I don't want to leave this too far behind, but there's two things that keep kind of circling around for me, which is it might be worth talking about in therapy, which is that, and maybe you've done this, but it can be really helpful to learn about depression and anxiety and understand some of the ins and outs and what this can do to people, what it can do to their chemical makeup. So some psychoeducational pieces can aid in depersonalizing some of these things. And I think another important structural piece is the, and we don't need to get too deep in this. I think this is for you and your therapist, but if there are times that he expresses suicidal thoughts, then it would be important for there to be a very clear plan for how that's how that's dealt with in your relationship and how you respond um, and his responsibility around that. Has that have has that already happened? Have you already worked on that? We did do something like that with with a therapist before together, but in the moment, he it's really hard for him to allow us to follow through with that plan. Mm-hmm. So I I feel badly. This should have been said right at the front end when you were telling us what you're doing. You have been doing, I want to affirm what you've been doing because you have been doing really the right things. You stepped in, you got professionals involved, you have been supportive of him, you've been patient. This is a five-year kind of growing struggle between the two of you. In the five years, you've had two children and been managing all of this. And so we both want to just really recognize, affirm, and kind of validate how well you have been functioning and handling all of this and making really good choices. Mm -hmm. So our ideas are hopefully, you know, just adding to, you know, the thinking and the involvement you've already had and the good advice I'm sure you've gotten from different professionals and from family members but I, I just really want to acknowledge that that's a, a very, it's a very, very difficult road to, and if 
anxiety and depression is continuing to get worse, then there is this kind of stepping back you're doing to say, what does my future look like? Mm-hmm. And that is a whole nother kind of, the, the moment can be so overwhelming that you can't even think too far into the future. But I would just also put out there that I know that at the quietness of, t- of, of life for you, you think about, you know, how long is this going to really continue and how much can I handle and what, what does the next, you know, five years of my life look like? Yeah, I, want, I second all of that. I think you have, it takes an extraordinary amount of courage to stay in the relationship and, and try to work with your partner and to exist in this space. And I think that I'm just imagining with your two-year-old and your four-month-old, there is not a lot of quiet space. <laughs> it's hard to come by. If you choose to stay in this relationship, or even if you don't, I mean, there will come a time where it might, it will become really important for you to process and to sort of grieve that this isn't what I expected and this isn't what um, I anticipated and the vision that I had for my life. And so if you, you and your husband work it out, it's a rewriting of the future, like John's talking about and kind of reimagining of that. But um, there's likely to be some grief process involved in all of this. Going to be a a really important kind of gauge that you follow, how to continue to persevere, to measure, is the resistance stopping progression and, you know, moving forward toward good outcomes? Is the resistance not that great? And we're continuing to progress. We're continuing to, to make some, you know, positive changes. And hopefully that's going to be what happens. Yeah, I really hope so. I I want that for him desperately. So I I really appreciate all the insight you guys have been able to give me. We're really grateful for you coming on today. I guess I'll try to do a little recap. We really just wanted to affirm all you've been doing. You've been supportive and suggesting and urging him to get treatment, which I think is really important. And you've been um, managing a lot on your own and sounds like took the separation when you needed it. We encourage you to, to get in your session and as you move forward to kind of consider rethinking depression as something external, something separate from you guys that the two of you are sort of at war with. You're waging war against this depression together. And if you do that, how can you restructure your relationship in a way that feels more like you're on the same team and come up with some systems and structure to help you communicate during those times that would normally escalate. And we just are just so grateful. Did I miss anything, John? I would just say, and then test the waters, you know, come up with a strategy that like Morgan said, test the waters while you're separated. I think that's very important. Don't, you know, jump back. I mean, you've made a huge decision to be apart. So let's make the absolute most of it and restructure, not just the de-escalation, but when he is emotionally spiraling downward into uh, suicidal, what is going to be again, a plan that is really workable and achievable and can be again, also tested out. So thank you for spending this time with us today and showing up and being vulnerable and sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for tuning in. 
You can learn more about the Love Things content by hanging out with Dr. Morgan on Instagram at MyLoveThings or visit our blog at MyLoveThings.com. And we're happy to offer an affordable subscription to the Love Things membership where you will gain access to a library of videos and resources on a wide range of relationship topics. Also included are monthly live Q&As where we answer relationship questions and discuss relevant relationship issues. All this and more can be found on mylovethings.com. And remember, the best relationships are those where you follow your heart without losing your mind. Oh, 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 o